0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the City of Smack Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. Our guests sit down and open up in-depth to share their experiences, their brilliant insights, and their vivid snapshots from their professional and personal accomplishments within the sport. The presenting sponsor of the City of Smack podcast is Olipop. If you're a runner and you're not drinking Olipop yet, you're missing out on what we've branded as the runner's soda. It's a healthy and delicious alternative, whether you're a runner, fitness enthusiast, or just someone who wants to make better choices, Olipop is the perfect drink for you. Olipop is a low sugar, low calorie beverage that is packed with prebiotics, botanicals, and plant fibers that nourish your microbiome and supports your digestive health. Plus, it comes in a variety of tasty flavors like vintage cola, strawberry vanilla, lemon lime, banana cream. And they just released a watermelon lime flavor for the summer. Sidious Mag podcast listeners can get 25% off non-subscription orders by using code Sidious25 at checkout. You can also find Olipop at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and other retailers. So next time you're looking for a refreshing and healthy drink, reach for an Olipop. You will not be disappointed. You'll see us drinking it on all of our shows. Drinkolipop.com, code Sidious25 we are also presented by new balance running i've had a solid shoe rotation this spring and summer with new balance i'll do my everyday junk miles in the fuel cell Supercomp trainer i'll do some tempo runs and some long runs in the fuel cell sc elite v3 and occasionally when i have to spike up i'll throw on the fuel cell mdx v2 i've really been enjoying those in workouts it's the perfect shoe for athletes competing in events from 800 meters to 5K, whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Fuel Cell MDX V2 will help you take your running to the next level. And right now that's what I've been using to try and get me closer to that elusive sub five mile. Check out NewBalance.com for all of their offerings. We're excited to be partnering with them again for New Balance Nationals in Philly on June 15th to 18th to celebrate the best high schoolers in the country going head-to-head at Franklin Field. Tune in and watch all of it for free on the New Balance YouTube channel. And all weekend long, we'll be bringing you interviews and race breakdowns with athletes firsthand. Many thanks to New Balance for their continued support of Sidious Mag. My guest for this episode is David McCarthy. He is Sidious Mag's Europe correspondent right now. We've had him at on-track nights in London and Paris. He was at the Paris and Florence Diamond League. He secured interviews with Jakob Ingebrigtsen and his father, Gert, which have taken off on our YouTube channel, but you'll also be able to listen to those here. His passion for track and field has made him an instant match to work with us at Sidious. The athletes have seemed receptive to him. The fans have enjoyed watching so, I figured I'd give him a proper welcome to the team and have him on to share a bit of his own backstory, since you'll be seeing and hearing much more from him on Sidious Max channels. So, without further ado, here is David McCarthy. Coming to this now live from oslo the one and only david mccarthy who has just taken the sidious mag audience by storm with all of your viral interviews that have been crushing it on youtube on instagram on twitter david you are uh crushing it right now for for your first time ever really in the mix zone at these meets
1: well, listen, man, I've been waiting for a platform like Sidious my whole life. So thank you very much, Chris.
0: <laughs> for you, this this passion for track and field and athletics, it comes through immediately. Just the the buzz that you get from just walking into the stadium, seeing the athletes warming up and then being right front and center with them at the mix zone. For you, I guess, like our motto at, track, at, at City of Smag is like, we love track and field. I love track and field. It's our motto. We repeat it. You are the living embodiment of that.
1: Yeah. So like, I mean, I've been, you know, I love running, you know, I love, um, I love running. You know, I started running from when I was a kid. I started competing at the age of five. I think I was was uh, regional cross-country champion at the age of seven. And who was in that race at the time was uh, at Leonard. Lennard. Um, you know, so we, we, we've been competing against each other the whole way growing up to the point when we left high school and we went to America. So that passion for running has always been there. And then more so in, um, recent years, uh, the interest of like you know what does it take to be the best in the world you know and now the fact that I get to be at these meets and being around the best in the world is so cool because I never was I never got to that platform in in my own career um and so you know it's it's a it's a closed world it's a it's a small world isn't it you know I was talking to some of the athletes you know over the last couple of weeks while at these meets and I said if you're not a professional athlete if you're not a professional coach or if you're not an agent or an organizer of the meet or media, you you, you don't get access to this world. And, uh, you know, like, I'm not going to be there competing as an athlete. Uh, you know, those days are gone. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's just unbelievable. Like the excitement that I'm bringing with it too, is just the fact that like, I never thought this was going to happen at this stage, you know, in, in, in my life. And, um, you know, like I was saying earlier, like I've I've always been waiting for a, a, an opportunity and, and and looking for it, you know. Um, and I know when we were listening to the uh, podcast he put out there yesterday and Kyle was saying like he was at home at Christmas and he was out in a run. And I was just talking to him like because I, I saw, you know, obviously Kyle finished his uh, and running career, you know, not so long ago. And he's ne- now involved with Sidious and yourself. And you know, I'm I'm I've been following it from day one and I was like all questions about it. And then like he drops in me, oh like we might be calling on you as a European correspondent. And I was like, go away out of that, like, you know. And uh and sure as hell then. So that was at Christmas. And then I get this message from him, I can't remember, was it like March? And he was like, What are you doing from June uh seventh to June 18th? And I was like, nothing, why? And he was like, Well, we want you to go to um we want you to go to diamond league in in uh paris on track night in paris diamond league in oslo and then on track night in vienna are you free and i was like of course i'm free you know and then and then after and then as things progressed even before that meet i got to go to london to the night of 10,000 meter pbs which was the second of the on track night series and then we got the florence diamond league so i'm only in it a month and i'm just like you know it's it's crazy how things happen so you know i think that's also Good lessons for life as well, you know, and for for, you know, for for track and field athletes, for anyone in life that like you just you never know how things are going are going to shape out. You just got to keep grinding and keep hoping and, you know, things can change all of a flash.
0: Your own you're you're selling yourself short here a little bit on your own uh, accomplishments, because now that we've added you to the team, like I think our four by mile. Has it never been stronger? Cause it's we've got Mac Fleet, we've got Kyle Merber, we've got now you who you had what let's I'm looking at your PRs right now. 355 indoors at BU outdoors for the 1500. You ran 339, you ran 149 for the 800. You had your own uh little bit of of speed there. When you closed the book on your track career, how did you feel about everything?
1: Uh I suppose incredibly disappointed. Um, you know, uh I finished college, graduated from Providence in 2012 and it was that indoor season, I ran my 355 mile and a uh, fun fact about that one, I actually held the BU facility record and it was broken by the one and only Galen Rupp, um, you know, and since then, obviously, like uh, the times have come down, come down a lot since, which is great. It's the see. world
0: record now, like you were the original and then now the world record was set on that track.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I am um, off the back of that indoor uh, 355 mile which at the time was actually only a half second off German Fernandez indoor NCAA record and uh, so obviously and that was leading into summer of 2012 Olympics and so I thought like you know again we were co- we, we always ran well indoors in providence you're coming off an NCAA cross country season and like NCAA cross country is super fast and you know you, you're you're incredibly fit you know so you're you're ready to run a mile Um, But I thought like, wow, like if I can run 355 indoors, you know, maybe I have a shot at this, uh, this Olympic qualifying time, what the standards were for London in 2012. And uh, just my luck, I got injured outdoor season. And as tough as the game is, Chris, just like that, I was forgotten about. And I packed my bags and back home to Ireland. And uh, I competed up until 2016. And for the rest of that time, I was predominantly coaching myself and training by myself. And I think kind of what put the final nail in the coffin was in 2015, I got two stress fractures in my lower back and my sacrum back to back. So I, it was a 12 week recovery process. So I got the first one, uh, took my 12 weeks, but completely came back way too fast. And then about another eight weeks later, I got another one. So in 2015, I didn't run for seven months, started back running first of January, 2016. And then that end of April, I, uh, my first race out, hadn't even put on the spikes, hadn't even raced in two years, and I ran 13.42 in Belgium, in the Ortegaon meet. Closed my last 800 and 158, um, and uh, a week later, I hung up the spikes, um, and it was... I suppose it was just I just couldn't take the disappointment anymore Um, and I didn't know where I was going to go. And now I look back in hindsight and I was like, oh, my God, you idiot. Like you, you opened up with a 13.42, closed in a 158. Like, man, a bit of patience. But I, at that stage, I'd lost all patience and hope. I was so disappointed after that race because that summer, the qualifying time for the European Championships was 13.40. And again, just my luck. I run 13.42. And when you've no agent or no group, it's not easy to find 5Ks to run that time, you know. And I remember I was just out for a run, just an easy recovery run a week later, 30 minutes. It was a double run or something. And I physically had to stop after 15 minutes. I just couldn't couldn't run anymore. Like emotionally, I was just I was spun. And uh, there and then I was like, that's it, I was done. And never in my life up to that point did I ever think about retiring or, let, you know, from competition. And that was it. And and I haven't looked back since then. I don't have any regrets either because life has taken, you know, you know, life has brought me to great places since then. Like if I hadn't if I hadn't uh, hung up the spikes, I wouldn't have gone on holidays to, to, to France that year and met my now wife. Like so, you know, there are no, no regrets there.
0: Yeah. I, I look at, you know, I'm looking right now at your athletics profile and there's still some, some races, I guess you, you, you got back to run and jumping into some cross country, a four miler in 2021. And then, you know, this year you ran the Berlin half in 67 minutes. So that joy for running never went away. How different was it? Or was it difficult to find that pleasure when you're just doing it for yourself and for fun and no longer looking up ahead at like all right there's these standards and these times and these rankings that I've got to concern myself with now it was just about you getting out the door and and doing something a little bit different for yourself
1: yeah so I always had like like and it's funny now looking back like I um I probably uh, wasn't ruthless enough from a competitive point of view um, because I had such a passion for running like I just love running like and I love the feeling of fitness I love that feeling of fitness in my body. and. Um, You know, I stopped running in 2016 and at that moment I was like, I'm never running again. And that was that summer and I actually didn't run for the remainder of the year. I went and I started doing CrossFit and I put on about like 10 kgs of muscle and stuff like that. And then I was signed up for a half Ironman the following year and slowly through that, worked my way back into running. And then I started coaching. And uh, like, and then that kind of brought me back into it. So like I was coaching, you know, uh, Michal Power, who's in the States. Uh, he's just graduating from Tulsa right now. So Michal came sixth at NCAAs last year in the 5K. He ran like sub 13, 28, 29, about three times last year. And I was coaching him like he did his undergrad in Ireland. And then he went over and did his, his postgrad there. So through that and Michal is where I'm from in my hometown, and uh so like that kept me going, you know, getting out for runs w- with, with with the lads and that. And I suppose naturally enough I never left myself go. So if I just get a little clear patch of consistency, I find myself fit again. Like even this um this this uh was it April, yeah, Berlin was on. I was actually in sixty five minute shape, I reckon, for the half. I just had to I, I got savage cramping at eleven K. I ran a year and a half ago, I ran the rack half Martin in du- in Dubai and I ran with Alish McCulligan at it and I ran we both ran together she beat me about two seconds around 66 and a half and so um I always chatting with Alish, and I knew that like the elite women is where I can run with and so in Berlin um I went through like I don't know 11k 11 yeah 11k and on for 65 flat and I started cramping like you know out of my quads hamstrings everything and I think what happened was is I trained really control and I got fit, but I hadn't put enough pressure under my body that when I went to race that distance for so long, physically, I physiologically I was fit, but physically I don't think the stress was there. Um, so, you know, I, I, I I, I can get back into shape quick and I like to do that. I like to keep that, that, um, how do I say within range of it? Because you never know when you might get the urge to do something again, you know? And uh, if anything, I just love to be fit where like the other day I was able to jump on the track and do a couple of 200s and 100s with George Beamish. Like, so um, it's worth it for that. And it's worth it to, to just stay fresh, Chris, like that's it, man. Like just, you know, running is a, is a great cleanser for the body.
0: Everyone at this point has maybe listened to your interviews with Jakob and with Gert ingebritson uh which i will play at the end of of this podcast episode for those who haven't watched them up on youtube yet but it's very it, i think one of the things that sticks out to me is one just how insightful they are but then two also the questions that you're asking are genuinely coming from you being curious about training philosophy and i guess from when you started picking up coaching and even along the way maybe in those late couple years while you were in college like were you always like this curious mind in practice asking, it's like, all right, what are we getting out of this workout? Or like, what's the purpose of this? And what could we be doing better?
1: Yeah, 100% from day one, maybe I, I might have annoyed coaches because of that. Uh, probably one of the first books I read when I was in college was uh, the Jack Daniels one. And then also the Arthur leader one, I think it was written by Andrew Livingston, healthy, intelligent training. And I love the title of that. Um, And I started to to learn about um before the Ingebrigtsen model, because Daniel, uh, Jack Daniels had threshold workout. He, he just called it um, marathon and half marathon pace. And it kind of started me thinking because when when I was in college, like a tempo run was just basically you smash five miles. Like, you know, and I was like, you know, um I went to Providence and so like Ray Tracy would be like, you know, five miles between five minutes to five or five pace. And I'm like, right. So no mile is going to be slower and you know, it's going to be slower than five minutes. So meaning the average had to be before something. Um, But I always felt that I I always felt like I wasn't getting the best out of myself in competition. I just felt like I was leaving my energy in training and I and I didn't have that aggression, that energy that I I naturally have. But it wasn't there um, on race day. And so what led me to coaching was the curiosity of what like I I like I believe that I had the potential to be. An, Olympi- an Olympian or, uh, you know, uh, make make world championships. But I didn't get there. Um, and I'm sure plenty of athletes don't get there that are well capable of. And so much of it is down to the process. You know, it, it really is. And um, unfortunately it does come down to how you skin it and there is a right and wrong way. And, you know, when it comes to endurance running, it is about building that aerobic system. But when you start doing tempo runs too fast, then you're in anaerobic and you're not building that threshold zone up high enough to, you know, you know, progress yourself. And that's what I did my whole life. Everything was smash, 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 smash. And um, I wanted to know why I didn't, I wasn't that. And then through being able to coach others, I was able to answer those questions for myself while obviously being able to help other people. Um, And um, it taught me that like you were good enough, man, but you didn't do it the right way. And that gave me a lot of peace. And uh, so, you know, when I do these interviews, I am asking these questions for myself. They're just helpful for everyone else listening.
0: <laughs> so take me through, I guess, these past couple of weeks. The first meet that we send you to is on track nights in London, the night of the 10,000 PBs, We give you kind of a rundown of a list of like, all right, here are the key athletes to to watch out for. And that, you know, we'd love if you can get some interviews with them. And the whole atmosphere for that it's a festival it's it's you know there's circus performers there's pyrotechnics there's just live music there's so much going on aside from the track meet uh and you had a job to do there as well but you know for your first time putting a media credential around your neck how did you feel
1: oh I mean it was so cool I mean and like obviously you know on the first gig met uh Johnny Johnny Pace and like Johnny and myself hit it off so And, like, I must credit him so much because I was, in like, obviously when the opportunity came to do this, I was not going to turn it down. But, like, I was nervous because, like, I, you know, I I follow running in the sense of I follow Jakob Ingebrigtsen and the elite athletes and that. But, like, there is a lot of people in the sport that, like, I, I don't know in and out to be able to, you know, quiz um quiz really well and like you know and like I want to make sure I'm doing a good job on it. I don't want to interview an athlete and have them there you know saying like this guy doesn't know anything about me, you know. So I I wanted to make sure I was doing my homework and naturally enough like everything. You can't be the best overnight. Um and you know over time and I'm sure by the end of this summer as well I'll have even more knowledge of athletes going forward that going forward I'll be able to have more insight into it. but uh, meeting Johnny and um, just how we hit it off, he settled me and gave me a lot of confidence. And he actually, like, you know, now I'm becoming a bit more flowy with it, but he was like, I think you should do this and we'll go here and we'll we'll get the shot here and we'll do all of this. And so he made me feel super comfortable that then I could actually appreciate the moment and the event we were at. So the first one was obviously in London at the night ten thousand meter PBs. I've heard about this event for years, but I hadn't been at it. And uh, it was such a spectacle. Like, my God, like, just the two home straights covered with the like the marquees the lactic tunnels of love as they were called there and like you couldn't actually like it was hard from a point of view of being like on the media side because i actually couldn't see how the race was going on until they were just whipping around at that one stage each time um it was so deep there was so much going on there was so much more going on than the racing um but it was such a spectacle and uh so cool to see because like that's what that's what you want right you we want to get people in involved in the sport and and make it entertaining um you know and and show that there's there's more to it so and and that was the first for me experiencing that and it was so cool and I also then felt the energy from the athletes the coaches um the the professional side and then the non-professional side everyone just seemed to be a lot happier and more buzzing at it and then with that then you know from our side there being assiduous um it's um People are more um more, I suppose, lively, more engaged, and then you're getting a bit more excitement back from okay. them when you're interviewing them and stuff like that. So it, it just really adds to to everything that's going on there. And obviously, that was then that was London. And then, you know, then we went on to Florence, and well, that's the Diamond League. So that was something completely different. And you know, I, I remember like uh, you know, I think I remember if it was you or Kyle that was saying, like, you know, it this mightn't be quite the same, but I was like, Yeah, but like this is the diamond league. Now this is really up my alley. Like this is, this is something like I watched El Garouge break the world record like that. Like I'm 30, I'm 35 this August, you know? So I, I have all since a kid, like, you know, you know, my mom uh, used to record on VCR all the, back then it was the golden league. Right. And so sprinters, I was watching Frankie Fredericks, Atto Bolden, Michael Johnson, you know, Maurice Green, Marion Jones, and then it was like El Garouge and all of those guys. And so like I was watching these events back then, um, never got to him as an athlete, never got to go as a spectator. And next thing I'm walking in to Florence Diamond League and like, you know, these stadiums, accreditations around you. And the first time I'm because I didn't get to go to the press conference in Florence because I was finishing uh, I'm a high school teacher back home and so we were wrapping up summer exams so I didn't get to fly out till the day of the sports the press conference so I didn't see any of the athletes so my first time seeing all of these athletes Fred Curly was like the minute I'm putting the camera on him to interview him uh, so there was a lot of adrenaline but there was a lot of nerves as well. Um, And I just had to kind of and like, I'm actually I have to approach it like I would be a race, you have to just breathe and be calm and and like this is my Olympic, this is my uh, competition now. So it's great because what I love about it is the challenge of trying to be steady, trying to be calm, all the things that uh, that racing still that challenges you and I still get to get those challenges because like, I like to think forever in life you're developing as a person as a human being it doesn't just have to be down to your fitness. And that's the way I look at life. And now this has given me an opportunity to challenge myself and grow, which I'm incredibly grateful for.
0: A quick break now to tell you about UCAN. Are you getting back into a training routine with some spring and summer races on the calendar? Then make sure you're fueling properly with UCAN. UCAN energy powders, gels, and bars utilize steady release carbs instead of sugar so you won't experience the highs and lows in energy. I've used UCAN's Edge Energy Gel to fuel some of my recent long runs, but it's not just the everyday athletes who can trust UCAN. Top marathoners like Emily Sisson, Kira D'Amato, Sarah Hall, and Emma Bates all rely on UCAN to fuel their training and races. In fact, Emma just fueled her fifth place finish in Boston with just one edge gel every 5K and felt strong the entire race without experiencing any GI distress. UCAN's award-winning energy gels last longer than other gels and provide a more consistent feeling of energy. And with zero sugar, they're not too thick or sweet and you don't have to chase them down with water. Right now, UCAN is offering the Sidious Mac community an exclusive chance to try six energy samples for free. All you have to do is pay the cost of shipping. Head on over to UCAN.co slash Sidious to claim this exclusive offer. And if you're already a fan of UCAN and want to try some of the other products, use code Sidious at ucan.co to save twenty percent off the full variety of products. So say goodbye to the sugar crash and hello to consistent energy with ucan. Visit ucanco Sidious to claim your free edge samples today. So, what did you make of you know the Diamond League in particular? Like, it's so much more fast paced. It's big race after big race after big race. And it's like for the people who are listening to this and have never been in that space in the mix zone, you're kind of filtered after when the athletes walk off the track and they do the TV interviews. Then there's just kind of this big space where, you know, there's people just in these media scrums shoving recorders and cell phones in your face. And that's where we have to watch the meat from. And so while you're in the same stadium as these incredible performances, you're not seeing it super close up. You might be watching it off of a TV and a monitor that is just in the, it's in the stadium, but you're in a tunnel somewhere. So it's a different sort of experience, but you could still get that rush. And I think when you're a media person in there, you get that rush also when the athletes come by and they're still super excited. So For you, what was that like, especially in Florence when Faith Capiagon breaks the world record and she's doing interviews and yes, is going to go to like the big media scrums, but takes the time to go one on one with you and, and you told her like my hand is still shaking.
1: Well, I tell you what, because originally Florence, you know, we when he asked me to do this, Florence wasn't on the cards, and thank God I did that because that was incredibly different to Paris, right? I had actually to run at a place in in Florence because you had the main TV stations, as you were saying. Again, I didn't know any of this till I was in the deep
0: end. Yeah, we so threw you it, right into the fire.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so in Florence, like as you were saying there, as the athletes come in off the track. Um, they've got the main TV stations, and then any of us with our iPhones are at the at the at the back end. But lucky enough in Florence, there was very few people there other than the, the main TV station. So I actually had the run of the place. Um, and like you said, I I don't see the track. I don't see it live. There's a screen in the in the mix zone that you're watching the races. So, and of course, so this is what's going on here. Like between messaging you asking, like, you know, maybe give me a question for this person, or like, what was the result there? I'm I have the Diamond League app opening, trying to get the quick results. I also have World Athletics open, trying to get a bit of a profile on the athlete, um, trying to watch the races, um, and trying to stay calm. So I'm not like a nervous wreck. Um, so but Florence, I had, I had, I had the space, but I I I didn't realize like I had nothing to compare to. So I thought this was it. Um so Florence went really well. Um I, I was able to get every athlete as they came off and it was really comfortable and I was so glad I did it. But my god was Paris a completely different game.
0: Yeah, Paris like, like yeah, it's a probably a major media market and it being at the heart of the city there were more people there. We're a year out from the Olympics. This is like a temperature check to see just how much people love it. The stadium is packed and yeah. I mean, I'm sure there was more, more media people. How did you, did you have the elbow people or did you, there was a couple instances where you did say, I'm going to take the risk and try and get one-on-one with Jakob. It paid off massively, but well, it, it's never a guarantee. No. And
1: so, um, yeah, so, so Florence, basically you,
0: all the camera people and then there's the, the, in the TV
1: stations and they get priority. And then all the way down the line, you have everyone else. And for our status in there, we were at the, at the end. And, um, you know, like they're coming through and like I could and then also through the screen in the mix zone was so jumpy. I couldn't see it. So actually there was a sound enough lad on one of the TV stations up on the top end. And he must have brought his own screen and the quality was better. So I went up and I asked him, like, would you mind if I stood beside you and watch the races so I can see what's going on? And he was sound out about it. So I would walk up, watch the race and then come down. And so obviously, like, you know, for the couple of events at the start, but Jakob's race. Everyone wants Jakob, don't they? Like, you know, and so I remember messaging you saying like, you know, Chris, it's may I'm in here like I like, you know, and and I remember you were telling me, Dave, you mightn't get a one on one with him. You might just have to get your camera in over and get in on other people's questions. But this was my moment to shine, man. This was and like from a personal point of view as well. And uh, I was just like I was like, I really, really, really want a one on one with him. I just I just feel like I can. I've been watching this guy interviewed for years and he's just not being asked questions that even interest him, you know, and the level he's at and the standard he's at and how he skins the sport. We're not getting enough from this man, you know? And from my own personal achievement, I says, geez, it'd be absolutely outrageous if I get a one-on-one with him. And you know what? Um, He came by first, right? He, he did a few. He came by and I was like, uh, Jakob, you know, can I, you know, and he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I just uh, I'm going to go and change. So they, he went into there was a, like a little kind of pit at the end of all the media stuff. And there was drug testers around him, everything, everything. And like I was just hovering there. And so um, he went he, he to be fair, he went he came back, but he went all the way back to the end to come down to everyone. I'm not joking, Chris. There was about 15 to 20 people he went through before he came to me. And I was just like I was just like. I want this single one, so I said to him, "I says, man, I'm taking the gamble. I'm going to the very end of the queue. The guy's going to be probably wrecked, but I just felt I had it in me to, to 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 engage this guy, and I wanted it. I just I wanted it, you know. And um, so anyway, sure as hell, I went to the end. He came through, and I was like, think first thing I was thinking, all right, what's your opener here, man? Like you got to make him feel comfortable. You got to get a smile out of him. So I think I started off with like. Uh, Jack, I'm sure you're probably more exhausted now from all the interviews than the race itself. Got the little smile and then and to be honest, Chris, I don't really know what I'm going to ask these athletes until it just comes. It's all off the cuff and I've tried before to kind of have this set agenda in my head, but I start overthinking it and it's just not how I work. It just doesn't flow. Um, So everything I asked him and you know, asked Gert the night before, I had no idea what I was going to ask until the words came out of my mouth, um, but I just had to trust myself. And so I was there right and get this right, I was interviewing him and I, he was and he was so chilled. I, I I, was I was I was feeling like he was enjoying this, you know, and he was answering the questions really well and he was pausing. And I was like wondering, like, was he going to answer it and should I go again? And I just gave that one extra sec. But he's really cool, calm individual and like he is out in the track. It's like he, how he talks. There's no you know, uh, he's not overexcited. But anyway, I didn't know how long the interview was till I actually went back into my, you know, my photos at the end and saw the video. I was like, holy shit, that was seven and a half minutes. But I had the race, Um, one of the media directors, uh, she was nudging me to like wrap it up. And I was totally blanking her because I was like, <laughs> this is gold. And so anyway, I I, at the end, I actually had to put it to an end. I was like, man, like I better let you go. And uh so Someone walk.
0: in the YouTube comments is like, he looked like he would have stayed there for 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, I know. And he would have like, you know, um, I fucking, I felt like, geez, man, we should be having a sit down here. But anyway, hopefully we'll get to that someday. Yeah. And afterwards I was shaking. Like I was like, I was just like, I need to tell you what I've got here. Like, you know, and then I went back into my phone and I saw how long it was. And I was like seven and a half minutes. And I couldn't even remember really what I'd asked him, <laughs> you know, and I was just, shaking and that was the first because it meant two mile was before all the main diamond league events yeah and uh yeah so that was just what my heart was like pounding um and uh yeah so that that was just an incredible buzz but like i said paris was different it was it was chaotic um it was it was more nerve-wracking i didn't see after the two mile i didn't see one race for the rest of the night i actually didn't see anything i saw a flash of somebody passing by the home straight but other than that, you know, I sure I was messaging like, man, like what happened there? What's this thing? You know, and so that's the way it went. Um, but it was some buzz. But uh, the, the 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 big one that night was was Jacob, and uh, and we got every other interview as well as as best we could. So it was it was it was a good night all around.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, it's going to get easier if you ever find yourself at a meet when we have more of the Sidious Mag squad around you because you know, that's, I, I was just in LA a couple of weeks ago and I had to do the same thing over uh, again, just by myself, you know, getting the interviews. And I kind of had to remind myself just how tough it used to be. Like when I was doing this solo when it was just me interviewing people, tweeting it out. And then just, you know, at the same time, giving people results and updates on my own personal Twitter account or on Sidious Mag's page. And now we're fortunate that we have more resources, more pieces, like, And it really is a team effort. We are shooting over those interviews. I'm on the backside of things, editing up the YouTube titles and the descriptions and the tags. And David is tweeting the meat. Kyle's putting it up on Instagram. It's really, you know, we've got a little bit of a well-oiled machine here uh, behind the scenes on Sidious Mag. And and I think people aren't just kind of, you know, aware of that. So that's part of the reason why in the last episode we, we shared with people a little bit more of the behind the scenes of of how how things go
1: definitely and like you know like first of all like it's given me an unbelievable appreciation from where you've come from and what you've done um and you were doing that before there was you know the team was around you and that and, and now you've built it to having this team around you which is which is so cool and i really am buzzing for that time when we we were all together able to do it and you you feel that support um But like it's it's like I remember the first one in Florence. I was uploading the videos onto Slack or whatever, yeah. the Dropbox or whatever. And then you were like, maybe you can upload them onto YouTube yourself. And I was like, uh, like how do you upload videos onto YouTube? And like what do I do with the titles? And like, but you know, but like you know, and like this is I, I want to have that challenge during this experience because like it isn't the same. Like if I was coming to this meet as a spectator, it wouldn't be as good, right? Because like it's like everyone wants to be the athlete, but the athlete still has to go through the nerves. But part of the nerves are the feeling of self satisfaction, putting yourself out there when you're when you're when you're under pressure and trying to cope with it. Um, so that's all part of the reward at the end of the day. And I suppose the way I look at it, it can only get better. And also, look, I, like I say to myself, I I kind of have this thing where like I before every um every you know thing that I do that has some sort of um I suppose pressure to it or that I give that bit of gratitude beforehand so i go in and say thank you for tonight going well thank you for all the interviews going really well it's a great night but also knowing that like maybe someday i completely mess up in an interview and you know i just it doesn't go well and you know that's that's life though like a, like a race is for an athlete and you know you just have to accept that too and uh not be too hard on yourself but uh we're off to a good start so far finally is right uh, yes. upon, uh I'm sure you're probably more tired from talking now than the race. How is it just... uh appreciate that so many people want to talk, so uh, yeah, it's just fun. Yeah, well man, unbelievable. 7.54. I think I clocked you at a 7.21 last 3K. Like, what were you expecting coming into this? I know the world record, but how fast did you think you could actually run? I've not really done that many 3Ks. Uh,
2: especially, obviously not done a 2 mile before. So you never know for sure uh, like 100% what you're gonna expect, at the same time I think the 3k is probably uh, one of my better events considering that I'm an endurance type runner going moving down to the 1500 and can perform relatively well in in that event, Um, but at the same time the 1500 is more demanding uh, physically. So I'm going to try to do as well as I can there before moving up and focusing more on the 2K. And,
1: and when you say like more demanding physically, what do you mean by that? I think it's more difficult for a 35 year old to,
2: uh, to do a fast 1500 than a 3K. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to you know, do, do as well as I can for as long as I can in the, my favorite event, which is the 1500. And I think that's um, more of like a, a thing that you really need to to focus on compared to 3K yeah. I mean going 720 is it's difficult and demands a lot of speed but it's not the same as going 327 uh, or 326
1: When you see that world record of the 1500 326 zero, zero, like what does that make you think when you see that like if there's anyone who has a shot at it it's you but like how how, how do you see it?
2: I see it as one of the uh, the biggest challenges that I'm going to Face during my running career and what kind of what kind of a day um, And you know I say this coming from my background in, in training obviously uh, I've done a lot of mileage and uh, a lot of thresholds growing up and I always kept kept running working uh, on that efficiency and uh, you know building that engine um, so you know seeing the, the 10k and the 5k and the half marathon and uh, deeper chase and all the other records. It's not the same as looking down to the 3.200 and the the mile, because for me that's almost impossible, it's easier to, uh, I don't say, I'm not saying that the other world records are easier, but for me, uh, considering what I'm doing and how I got here, they fit me uh, a lot better than the 3.200.
1: And, and what kind of like day or form or moment do you think you you need in order to chase that fifteen hundred meter world record? I don't
2: think I need any
1: special day or whatever. I just think I need to
2: improve. Um, obviously, uh, I've improved a lot uh, the last couple of years. Uh, I think that's uh, what's so good about this race that it's brutally honest, and you get um, like you get the facts on paper what, where you how fast you can go. In the, in the, based on the strength work that you've done. Um, so I think it's um, a good thing moving forward and, uh, and raising a lot of 800. But at the same time, it's, I still need to improve my own personal best before uh, thinking about the, the world record. So it's, um, this is just a consequence of what I've been doing. I'm not necessarily trying to, to do, perform well in 3K because I'm mainly focusing on 15, but at the same time, it's,
1: uh,
2: I'm better in, in these sort of events.
1: And like, you know, we, we see so much about, you know, your training, double threshold, and that's that's no secret, but like, there's more to what you are than your training. How much of what your performance is is down to your training, and as you, as a, as an individual, as a character?
2: I mean, it's difficult to, to uh, you know, pinpoint exactly what it is, but I think what most, misunderstood is that our training is only the fundamentals of performing well as a runner. Um, what really matters is, uh, you know, you need to build a house and if you don't know how to put on the roof, the fundamentals or the, the wash doesn't matter. Uh, so it's obviously the, um, the last five or six weeks after the strength work during the winter, that really matters. And when people get the opportunity to put on the spice and go out on the track and really start to run a little bit faster, That's when everything uh, goes to hell.
1: Tell me this, when your career is done, your knowledge has built up in the sport, is coaching something you'd love to go into?
2: For sure, because it's, um, I think, and also one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people do is that they uh, go too hard in training. And that's most, uh, basically because of their their mentality, what they uh, are struggling with. They don't believe in themselves. That's why they need to put it down in training, because they need to build up that confidence. And that's, I think that's the wrong mindset. I've been competing my whole life, and um, obviously I'm I'm competing in training, but I'm I'm never running faster in training than I do in competition, because I want the competition to be the number that's behind behind my name. I don't want,
1: a good session is, is nothing compared to a good race and uh, speaking of good sessions my final question for you uh, did I see on Twitter uh, you did a workout leading into this race six eight hundredths was that true yes but it's
2: I mean that workout that doesn't matter what matters is what I've done in uh, before that I also had a session two days before and a session a couple of days after so a lot of people see you know one session and um, it's not impossible for everybody to have uh, a good session What's important, uh, the, the, the difficult
1: task is to, to have a good program and make every session worth something going into a good race. And when you do a session like that, maybe eight hundreds finishing in sub 150, like, does that surprise you or does it just give you even more confidence as to where your fitness is at? No, because if I wanted to go quicker,
2: I, I could have gone quicker, but that's, there's no point in going quicker because then it's not specific. Yeah. Uh, so I started at a 3k pace and I went down to a little bit faster than a 1500 pace, obviously. But um, but at the same time, I I set up the session uh, with my brothers, and I need to know what I'm going to get out of the session. It's not just a good session. Uh, you need to know, you know, what you need. And uh, for that specific session, I needed to um, dig a little bit deeper than just 3k because I did that a couple of days earlier and it wasn't tough enough. Um, so I needed to. Dig a little bit of a hole to have this
1: uh, boost going into this race. Brilliant. So everything matters, and you need to put it—you uh, know—paint the big picture. Yeah. Well, Jakob, I won't keep you any longer, man. Massive respect. Well done tonight, and best of luck with the rest really of the impressive. season.
0: Cheers, man. So next up is Oslo. We have you in Oslo right now. A couple of days before the meet, you're going to have another potential interview with Jakob. How do you feel the second one's going to go? Do you think he's going to humble you? And he's maybe been attuned to the YouTube comments and everything that says like greatest interview with Jacob ever. And now he's going to give you a stinker.
1: Yeah, no. So I was talking with Johnny on the way over here. Right. And um, this is where like this is where I have to like I've got to do the work for Sidious, but I've also got to use my intuition. right, because this is uh, I'm on the circuit now and there's going to be no shortage of this man going forward. Right. What we got the other night was incredible, and it's going to be hard to match that straight away. Obviously, we want to speak to these athletes at every event, but I'm not going to try and get a ten minute interview with him, you know. And I don't want him to get it like I want him to appreciate. You can't me. get greedy. <laughs> no, exactly. And I I want him to 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 I suppose have a certain level of of respect for me, like I have for him, so that maybe it like. Like, I'm not saying we're going to be best mates going forward, but I'd like to, you know, but I'd like to, like, that he would, you know, um, appreciate, you know, the way I come at it um, because I respect the athletes. I have unbelievable respect for them. And, and, you know, that's coming from being an athlete. And um, so we'll see how it goes. I'm I, 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 I I'm not going to push for something that isn't there. And you also got to read the moment, right? So that's part of being the skill of, of doing this job is, is reading the moment and knowing that like, like you know you know maybe they're not up for it you know maybe they walk straight through and and that's part of it um so we'll uh we'll see how it turns out we go in with no expectation um and that makes you a little bit more um able to read the situation and 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 go with it but um who knows but like uh there's a there's plenty of good athletes anyway to interview after that after the 1500 on Thursday night that's for sure I I saw the start list there and I was like, I want to sit down with all of these athletes. Um, but I'm sure as time goes on, uh, we will get to everyone.
0: Yeah. Um, in addition to that, you've got on track nights, Vienna. I mean, at this point, you know, we're, we're still adjusting your schedule. We've got more diamond leagues on the horizon and, and we're going to try and see how many we can get you out to because clearly it's working right now. And, you know, on our side of things, too, when we decided to have you out there, it was partly because it's like Team USA, the best Americans are competing at these Diamond Leagues. And I mean, you can vouch for it. There's no American media there. Like you are Irish representing an American yeah. media outlet there.
1: Yeah, no. And actually, it's like bananas. I mean, yeah. It, yeah, it it is crazy because like this this meat is predominantly like the, the, the main the average they, they like would we'll say the most amount of athletes uh, of top athletes are from america um but like you know and just touching off that like i've been kind of like you know in the sport my whole life and wanting to find a way to be involved in it you know like i like i'd love to be a, I was saying to kyle there yesterday like i'd love to be a professional running coach someday but it's such a it's such a closed world and and no matter how hard you try it's a lot of luck getting things and uh I have been for years trying to find some angle of getting involved in the sport. And there has been so much rejection and so many um, job uh, interviews I've gone to and just, no, sorry, you did a great interview. Sorry, no, sorry, rejection, rejection. And to a point where like, I get like angry, mad, frustrated. It's like, like what is going on here? Like what, what, what is it? Am, am I seeing something in myself that I actually, that's not there. Um, But you know what, man, it's all worked out for the best because the platform I have now with Sidious is there's nothing like it. I mean, like I'm I'm still every day going in looking at the views of Jakob's interview going up. I think we're almost at 40k on YouTube and 40k on Instagram. Sure, like and then people would say to me, "Would you ever think of starting your own podcast?" And I was like, to "Who? Like, like who? Wh- like you? Like and that just tells me everything. Like you know, you there's a there's a lot required to to get to um an elite level in anything in life and to get uh, to get a hand on the world. You know what I mean? To get a hand on the world. And like, I'm so happy that I've had all the reject- rejections in life that haven't made me caught up in something else that I I, I wasn't available to be able to take the uh, opportunity when Sidious comes along. Because now like this is just... This is gold dust for me. And this is this is a lesson to all people out there to keep the faith. And sometimes, even though what you think you might want mightn't be what's for you. You know, and as my mother always said to me, what's for you won't pass you by. But sometimes we need to just have a little patience. And sometimes, man, that patience can be not just weeks or months. It can be years, you know, but you just got to keep that. And I always... I always have felt like I'm meant to be in the sport. I have to be in the sport. It's not right for me or the sport not to be involved in it. And that's not being that's not being egotistical or that. That's just, you know, it's it's good to have passionate people in this sport. That's what we need. And uh, I feel I can bring that. And I'm so grateful now that I can bring it through Sidious.
0: As an avid runner, I've been using the Forerunner series from Garmin for years, and they're back as a sponsor of the Sidious Mag podcast, introducing the Garmin 965, the ultimate GPS running and triathlon smartwatch. With a bright AMOLED um, touchscreen display and a lightweight titanium bezel, this premium watch is designed for athletes who demand the very best. Wake up to your morning report with HRV status and get insights into your health, including an overview of sleep, recovery, and training outlook. The training readiness feature lets you know when you're primed for a productive session, while daily suggested workouts adapt to your performance and recovery. The race widget provides training tips, course details, and completion time predictions to help you prepare for that next big event. With multi-band GPS and full-color built-in maps, you can confidently navigate any route, and with traditional buttons and a touchscreen display, it's easy to tap into your training status and know whether you're training productively, peaking, or strained. The Forerunner 965 offers up to 23 days of battery life in smartwatch mode so you can stay focused on your training without worrying about running out of power and if you're pushing to outshine the competition this watch is there to light up every run other exciting features for the forerunner 965 include wrist-based running dynamics safety and tracking features and garmin pay With 32 gigabytes of internal memory, you can also download hours of music and podcasts to your wristwatch, including playlists from Spotify and episodes of the Sidious Mag podcast. So get ready to train brilliantly with the Forerunner 965 from Garmin. Order yours today and start logging those miles with Garmin. On your bucket list, right? Yakov, you checked that box so early. Like, that was high. Yeah, who who else is left on your bucket list to interview? And I guess also, like what meets do you want to go to? Oh,
1: um, well, sure. Like, I mean, well, we're here in Oslo now. I mean, um, we had a little brief message about maybe potentially keeping f- Monaco free. Um, it was it was gas because actually just uh, when we were in um, when I was interviewing Fred Curley and uh, next thing, like who comes into the interview there is Ricky Sims, And he goes to Fred, do you need a bit of translation with that accent there? And uh, and then obviously like chatting with Ricky, like he's um, he's living in Monaco now and like the stars, that's just the stars, right? Like the Formula One, like this is just you need to have a reason to go to Monaco, otherwise you don't go there. And um, so I would be buzzing for that. Uh, London would be a cool one, too. But man, I'll take anything. I mean, like it, they're all they, all the athletes are going to everything and they'll we'll get to everything in time. World championships. Um, if, if I can get there, brilliant, if not, you know, look, whatever's meant to be is meant to be. But in terms of athletes, um, obviously look, my heart lies with distance, right? Endurance. Um, uh, the whole, like, you know, the on lads in America right now, like I obviously got to interview, uh, George Beamish the other night, which was so cool. I want to chat to all those guys. I really want to chat to a lot of coaches as well, you know, um, because they're the ones who bring. The best out in the athletes and and create the environments and like so i want to ask more about like well what what is it that you're doing that's making this happen like you know I, I want i want those answers i i want to know like how do you how do you do that how do you how do you you know from from setting up the training throughout the year dealing with so many individuals um getting athletes to the elite level planning the season and then speaking to the athletes like uh, like the 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 mindset approach I, I want to kind of get the understanding behind these uh, athletes and like you know I think I have a fair idea of um what it takes but I want to ask these questions and I want the answers coming from the athlete so everybody else can hear so there's no there's no like um, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to be the person saying how it's done. I want it coming from the person. So it's not me saying how it's done. It's like no, it's coming from the source. That came from Jakob Ingebrigtsen, who's the best in the world. So don't be like no media jumping on saying, "Oh, I think this." Opinions. Everyone has opinions. We call them back in Ireland. We have our national sport, hurling. Right? Uh, it's called Gaelic, and everyone in the country has an opinion on why every team isn't doing well or anything like that. And we call them hurlers in the stand, man athletes in the stand they don't know anything right and like so like let's get the answers from the people who are doing it and then so because it's easy for two people who've never been there to kind of quarrel their opinion on things but when it comes from people who have done it how can you question it
0: right Sounds like Matram would also be really high on your list.
1: Oh no, sorry, yeah, I completely <laughs> forgot that him. Sorry, yeah, no, no, sorry. That's um, that's yeah. I want to sit down with that man now. I, uh, he definitely sounds like a guy who has like a little like kind of, There's an edge about him, right? Because you remember back in the day, some of the Flow Track interviews. Oh yeah. Flow Track interview. I think it was at the pre-classic, and so whoever was interviewing on Flow Track at the time came up with the camera on him. And Motram is like taking off his spikes after the race, and he's like, "Would you mind introducing yourself, please, and tell me where you're from?" <laughs> so I'm like, "I'm definitely going to come in at him in a steady, steady place." Like, and actually, it was the same with Gert actually last night. So I didn't know Gert was going to be there, and next thing I saw him, and uh, I was like, "Why is he here?" And then, of course, obviously, I saw Narva won the men's 1500 from Norway, so I was like, "Oh, it's definitely him." So I kind of went scouting around to see if I could kind of just I man I did not think I was going to be getting an interview with Gert last night. And like they, 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 you don't know the personality Sometimes they're kind of like, you know, it's not as if like, you know, like maybe my personality, I'm so open and out there that like I don't think anyone would feel too nervous coming up to me. But I didn't know what the situation would be with Gert. So anyway, I saw him up at the warm up field and I think he was after the race. So Narva was maybe off cooling down and Gert was there on his phone. And man, I was hovering around like little groupy, trying to muster up the courage to go up and chat to him. And I walked up and I walked away and I walked up and I walked away. And I was like, man, grow up pair now. Like, what's the worst? He says, no. What's the worst? He says, get lost. But if it does pay off, that is the cherry on the cake after Jacob. So anyway, what I said to myself, I said, forget the interview. If you weren't working with Sidious, you'd want to go up and talk to this man yourself out of interest. And I was like, yeah, so do that. So I went up and I just introduced myself. And I obviously hit it off by just talking about Narva and asking about him. And then that's when off camera, he told me how he came down from a half marathon runner. And so I started getting the vibe that, wow, this, he's really chatty in that. So then I just like said, Gert, would you mind if I um, would you mind if I interviewed you? Like I'm working with Sidious and I don't think he was aware of who Sidious was. Um, and he was like, "Are you working with On?" And of course, I was wearing all the On gear, you know. And I was like, "No, no, we're uh, working with Sidious, but we're like promoting the event here." And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." I'd say he didn't think how viral that interview was going to go, <laughs> but anyway. Um, so that was that, that. That was that. Approaching him like was I had to come at it from like a point of view where like just like. you know be steady with it and maybe I might get the interview but maybe I might get the conversation with him but yeah going back to Craig Mottram I really want to talk Craig Mottram actually I tell you who else I want to chat with I'd love to sit down and have a chat with Steve Cram you know these legends and they're on the circuit I'd love to sit down and have a coffee with him because think about right Steve Cram uh, like I don't have the stats off the top of my head now but he's a 347 346 ish miler 346 I think right Mm -hmm. and you know, you must remember these guys that did this back in the days when there was no super shoes, right? Yeah. And and how like if if you go back in the day and probably look at the stats of like the amount of sub 350 miles these guys ran even in one season and then also looking back at the way they trained, now not that I know, but I know they did they definitely came from I think a bit of a more harder interval type approach of training. So obviously that still worked as well, right? Um but now there's a new way of doing things as well and I just kind of want to get his feel on how the sport has transitioned, where it's come from. And I also want to kind of get an idea of like, you know, now he can reflect on his career. And also, I just want to get into the mindset of the people who've been there and done that. Right. Because we know the training philosophy is key, but without a doubt, like, you know, and that's what I was trying to touch off with the interview with Jacob. The mindset is what separates everything. It definitely does, man, like because everyone out there has a different coach. Everyone does something slightly different, but there's Olympic champions, world champions from every corner of the globe, from every different coach. So there's something else that's within the person. And that's where I have the interest of trying to kind of figure that out and uh, learn more about it and maybe bring it to share it with the with their with the track lads. <laughs> Gert, uh, great to meet you, uh, I'm a long time idol, first time ever, uh, ever seeing you in person, always on YouTube. Uh, so, thanks very much for uh, having a few words with me. Uh, Narva, unbelievable performance tonight, 3.32, mm. and you just talked, uh, told me off camera, he came down from half marathon? Yeah, that was his primary uh,
3: aim a few years ago, and then 10k, and then 5k, and I and, uh, convinced him that you, you are perfect for 1500. Uh, and the training we do is also perfect for 1500 you should try it i think you can do well and and then okay okay i'll try and he did one one attempt last year Wow, uh, but still, it was 5k, uh, the most important event. So uh, this year he will go all in for 1500, and you can see by the results today that, that that's his, that's the way, uh, that's
1: the, where he should be in
3: the and 15. What, what did you, what, what did you see in him that you thought he could be such oh, a good? I've 15? been coaching him since he was 15. Okay, uh, but uh, uh, having my own uh, voice, it was difficult uh, uh, put, putting enough effort into. His training and uh, and his focus was also in in, in doing good in in, uh, in the university. Uh, now he's still in the university, but uh, also doing good on the track. So uh, yeah, you can do both. So it's clear the Ingebritzen model doesn't only just work for Ingebritsen. No, the model works for and I and just by being here watching people do warm up and cool down,
0: I see that
3: many have yeah. adopted our way
1: of doing things. Yeah.
3: And,
1: and that, and yeah, I'm proud of that. And like, speak to me a bit more, like, you know, we, we, we talk about the threshold, the control training, like, you know, measuring the lactates, which keeps you under control. Because I suppose working on that aerobic system, it's a zone that feels comfortable and it's easy to overdo it. But yet at the same time, too, you need to have that turnover for the track. How do you manage the both of them together? And how does the athlete kind of feel the, feel that they can be confident knowing that this will pay off?
3: that's the difficult thing because you have to put all your trust in the coach Uh, so we we don't do any tests to 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 gain confidence we do the training and the training is volume based and and threshold based and and, um, and we have made a composition that uh, there's also some track work, but not much. Uh, so, so uh, it's always a little uh, uncertainty when you do your first uh, track meets. So it's, it's, yeah, you have to, uh,
0: you have to rely on the system for a long, long time.
3: It's no quick fix. You have to adapt to the system. It may take one or two or three or four, maybe five years. But when you come out on the other side,
1: having done all the work. You would guarantee such a, yeah, and so like over the th- the winter months and majority of the year you're building that aerobic system, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and obviously then at some point in the year you've got to hit those track workouts, but ha- races. races races yeah. So does did he come in this yeah. evening with kind of very little prep for it in terms of on the track? Is? Yeah, we, we,
3: we do we have done uh, one race every week for four weeks. Yeah, uh, so one uh, the first race was in Karlsruhe on the twentieth of May, and uh, the next race was in game and the third race was in Bergen last week and this is the fourth and for hopefully we'll do Bislett as a fifth and, and then doing those races you gradually build, he uh, has improved for every race and, and, and that's that's the way we do it like in the, we, we, we train a decent volume also now and, and it goes through the, 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 the spring months uh, doing track sessions on track in competition.
1: And And so, like the the summer season, in terms of the summer months, are quite short. So, like, majority of the year is not track season. Like, is there any point in the year that you are touching off that when it's not track season? No, we
3: do some. uh some uh, indoor races in January, February February, and, and just just to just to see okay I'm where I'm supposed to be
1: and, and then we go off again and and so, it, yeah. so do you feel for that threshold model it is important to be racing uh, as, uh, like during indoors to kind of prepare you more for outdoors more for that shock to the system yeah,
3: yeah, because you, you will don't you will not have those 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 um,
1: it's, it's not like
3: an amplified way of you will you will have like you see Jacob he, he is always doing good races that's that's because he have a lot of training based in the system and that's what Narvo also do you have a good volume a good pace and then you will never do bad races you can do some races are not top races, but never any bad ones. There's always high level, all year. You, you can go directly from training and do a decent race, all year, because you have this base uh, and you have, uh, yeah, it's stamina, uh, you'll always come out of that system with a good stamina. And that's, from 50 and up, it's, yeah, it's stamina, Not, nothing else.
1: And do you think, like, there's an age time on these things, like, you know, Jacob has been doing this from such a young age, this model, so, like, he's almost, like, you know, he's such a head start on people who might be starting it later in life. Is it possible to get to that level, you know, if you haven't done it in your, say, teenage years?
3: If you have done something to create that base
0: never mind what
3: you did if you cycle if you run if you play football whatever you do to 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 start early with that kind of of training to, to to build heart and the lungs that's the that's the, that's the engine you have to train those things from early age when you are growing because when you are finished growing you, you have that you, 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 you can't build anymore physically uh, you can train what you have, but if you do like early start, you will grow your lungs and your heart will grow with your body, and you'll be a natural stamina. Yeah. If
1: you know what so uh, definitely, probably the the view to be taking, I suppose, when you're a younger athlete. I suppose from younger athletes, we always get caught up in the next race, the next season, but I suppose it's so important to have that long-term vision of development that keeps. Never you Never mind what you do, as long as you do some activity to to build stamina.
3: Yeah. So. It's, you play, if you
0: never mind what you do
3: but do something you don't sit in front of a computer don't sit in front of
1: television you get out and, and, and do something so uh yeah, gert, yeah. incredible insight yeah.
0: thanks very much no it's because i guess like what that was one thing that stood out to me when i went back and i helped transcribe you know the gert inter- interview and the Jakob interview there's no specifics in there of like oh yeah we do you know 10 times 5k at Threshold pace or whatever crazy thing someone could imagine. It's, it's literally just, you know, aerobic, this anaerobic, that strength, this build a base, this, and it's very simple. I'm sure the specifics are, you know, that's the whole nother side of things. But the philosophy is what you were able to, to get out yeah, of all of them.
1: Because like it's, I know people like, remember, so we were talking about that work of Jakob did leading into the two miles, six by 800. And I was talking to Hannah England, um, you know, be, uh, before we, so we were up, uh, we came into the meet early. I met, I know Hannah with a couple of years from training and stuff like that. And um, we we're at the uh, press conference the day before. And then the night, as we were just heading down to the mix zone, go down the elevator before everything starts, they're like... And Hannah goes, did you hear about the interview? Um, uh, sorry, the the session Jacob did. And I wonder, is it true? And I was, uh, and she, I was like, well, I'm. I said, if I talk to him, I'm going to be asking him. And she's like, great. She's like, I can't ask him that because she's probably a little bit more uh, restricted. And she said, I was talking to Steve Cram, and Steve Cram said there's no way he did that. And I was like, well, why not? I was like, think about it, right? He did six by eight hundred. He did the first two in two minutes. Jacob Ingaerts in two minutes, nothing. Next two him 155, nothing, right? And then he does 149. So was like, how is that unbelievable? We know back in the day, Craig Mottram did a big workout and he finished his last 800 and 146. So anyway, but then, so, but people were uh, asking, what's the recovery? I was, I was like, who cares about what the recovery is? He did it. That what? So if I told you he did two or three minutes, is that going to, is that going to say, you know, tell you something? I want to know the philosophy around things. And if you can't understand, um, The philosophy in the way we had the conversation with jacob in the way we had the conversation with girk you're not going to be able to put it together anyway you know what i mean like because it's not about the workout it's about how you use the philosophy to then transition it to either you yourself or as a coach the athletes you're coaching and sometimes when we have these conversations at first you're not going to understand it straight away because this is technical stuff but listen to it a couple of times, then dive into it a bit more. Marius Bakken, who is basically the kind of founder, the Norwegian founder of like this lactic threshold training, which I, I think the Ingebrigtsens kind of, that's where they kind of got a lot of this stuff from. The Norwegians were really the first to kind of start this lactic training and everything. But like there's articles out there. And sometimes when we read these papers, it goes over our head, but go talk with somebody then and try and figure it out. But it's not about like, how many miles are you doing a week and what, you know, what pace you're doing and is it eight by a K or is it five by a mile or it's not, it's not about that. And that's why I want to have these conversations. And at first it might, not kind of make sense to people, but in time we, it's the philosophy you need to know, because you can't, it's, you can't do somebody else's workout. You need to understand the philosophy and then apply it to your situation.
0: I feel like we're, I'm going to get a couple emails <clears throat> asking for us to give you a coaching podcast, but, you know, we could explore that route down the, down the road for sure. Um, and we'll see what we can make happen, but I think we could get an interview with, with Steve Cram, uh, sometime soon. And I'd love to hear just all the, you know, that one, you don't have to be as concerned about like, Oh, this is going to be seven minutes. Let it be 30 minutes or whatever it is. So, um, no, yeah, you're on the, you're on the right track. You're crushing it. Uh, and I'm excited for, for more from, uh, from Oslo and Vienna in the coming days. And then we'll see where else uh we we set you. But David, it's been phenomenal having you join the team and making an instant impact. Um and I think I speak for all the City of followers that we're excited for more.
1: Um, likewise, man. And again, just want to say how much I appreciate it and uh just uh yeah, that I'm absolutely buzzing to be part of the team. And uh it's nice to it's so nice to be involved with people that uh see the sport the way you do. And also, like I do think with Insidious, um, I think we all value and appreciate each other, and that's massive. And again, that goes to applying it to training groups or anything. Uh, that's what brings the best out in people, and I, I think we're doing that. So uh, more to it.
0: How fast can you run an 800 right now? Because if if we manage to find a way to get you to the World Championships, there's a media 800. Kyle finished second last year. He ran 148, I think it was, or 147. The winning time was 146, I think. Oh no, no no well, no no. One fifty six, I okay, think. Yeah, yeah. One fifty
1: six. Yeah. Kyle has the wheels, right? Like I'm an endurance guy. Like I'd love if there was like uh, a longer one, but um, but I I don't know. I mean, see the problem is right where I come from in Ireland. Right there, I don't have a running track. Even the whole way through high school, I didn't have a running track, so I can't spike up. I can't even do. Strides. so that's what leads me down to more the endurance stuff so and the only thing I will say is right I value my health and well-being in the sport I actually felt a little bit of my body after the strides with uh George the other day so um I'll, I'll I'll have to think about that because I'll have the fitness to hurt myself but there could be repercussions afterwards and I value my health and well-being in the sport at this stage but at the same time too I'll bring the spikes what I could run for an 800 I don't know because I have the endurance but I'd probably get flooded with lactic straight away. Um, I'm telling so,
0: you, you might, I mean, you're going to have your competition cut out for you because you might not be even the top Irishman. Cathal usually takes. Oh
1: that. yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kyle like always is, 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 is on fire for that. I see now like Kyle, I saw the, I saw the workout he did uh, there the other day. It was like eight 200s and then he finished the 456 and I messaged him. I was like, well, somebody is in world media, 800 training already. Um, and like it's so like he's buzzing for it. So I, I guarantee that, that he wants that. So, um, I hope he gets it. Um, but uh we'll see. We'll see. Uh, first of all I have, I have to get there first and uh maybe uh maybe I maybe I use that as a bit of motivation now to find a track. And myself and Johnny actually uh, were on Google Maps there already, sussing out a track because I think it's only fitting while I'm in Norway that I do a threshold workout while <laughs> here. So we have the track, we have the track sorted. I'm gonna do maybe a simple like eight by K tomorrow, keep those lactids low, um and uh, yeah, uh, do do what the Norwegians do best—keep things controlled.
0: Uh, I can't wait for this vlog. All right, guys. Well, I know it's getting late in Oslo, so uh, yeah, enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to watching everything.
1: Cheers, Chris, and sure we'll be reporting back.
0: Thank you all for listening to this episode. I love doing this for you guys. I've only got a few asks here to close out the show. Please share this episode with your friends if you think they'll get any value or inspiration out of it. And if you have a moment to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that helps us grow and maybe helps us get better guests on the show, let's build this thing together. Visit SidiousMag.com for a lot more. We have a brand new website with tons more articles, videos, and podcasts. I love track and field. I'm Chris Chavez.